I'd like to bring your attention to the last verse of that song they just sang, Here is Love. In thy word thou dost direct me, by thy spirit through thy word, and thy grace my need is meeting, as I trust in thee, my Lord. Of thy fullness, of thy fullness thou art pouring thy great love and power on me, without measure, full and boundless, drawing out my heart to thee. The love of God, through his word, he does direct us by his spirit. We need to realize that truth every single day. This morning in Bible Hour, we were considering, as we looked at Esther, Hadassah, and her uncle Mordecai, looking at Ahasuerus, his princes, his servants, his advisors. We talked a little bit about the idea and concept of consul. We learned Ahasuerus uh, received pretty bad consul. Well, in chapter 1, and then he could have made it better in chapter 2, and it seems he made it worse as he received yet more bad consul. We spend a little bit of time this morning looking at the last words of Mordecai as we remember them to his cousin Hadassah, where he counseled her, charged her to not reveal her people nor her kindred, this counsel that he gave. And these are things that took place a long time ago in a different part of the world in a different culture. But now let's come today and let us ask this question. Who are your counselors? Now, you know words change over time, don't they? And when we talk about counselors nowadays, we think of going to meet with a counselor. We think of a therapist sometimes, not always, but oftentimes that's the common understanding of getting counsel or quote-unquote therapy. But you know, maybe there's another word we should lump together in this just to be clear. That's a modern word. It's called influencers. Have you heard that word? Influencers. You know what they really are? Consulars. They're the consulars that give the unsolicited advice. They're the consulars who give the advice outside of on the couch or around the dining room table or wherever. Influencers. And so today I'd like for us to consider this morning and then this afternoon, for those who don't go to Briarcliff, I'd like for us to personally get real personal about it, but to ask ourselves the question, who are my influencers? Who are my influencers? And here's another question. Who am I influencing? You see, it's both ways. Who is influencing me and who am I influencing? Who are my counselors? Those official and those unofficial. I submit to you that we are being influenced every single day from many different sources. It is very important for us to understand how and by who we are being influenced. Who's guiding us? Who is directing us? 
We sang a beautiful testimonies hymn just a few moments ago, He Leadeth Me. I pray that as we consider the topic of who influences you, that at the top of your list is He, my God, leads me. He's the one who guides me. Can you truly say as you sang, is it from the heart do you declare, He that is God leadeth me? He leadeth me by his own hand. He leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Is that said from your heart? Did you sing it from your heart? I pray to God that it is, because the most important influencer in the world is God himself you know what's really fascinating about him? He doesn't force it upon us. He leaves for us to choose. Will we believe? Will we follow? Or will we reject and go astray? Is our God our number one counselor? Is he the one who primarily influences us. The last phrase of that chorus says, his faithful follower I would be. It's a beautiful declaration. It reminds me of Daniel, a wise consular to King Nebuchadnezzar and other kings of the Media Persia Empire as well as the Babylonian Empire. He was one who purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meats. You might put it in other words that he purposed to be a faithful follower. That's what this phrase means. His, God's faithful follower, I would be. I challenge you to think about that. Because you know, I am oftentimes attacked when I fail. When I fail. The scriptures tell us that a good man falls and seven times he gets back up. We purpose to be a faithful follower. And in those times when we fail, we again need to purpose to be a faithful follower and keep on going. Not in our own strength, but as a follower of Him. And you know why that's so incredible and why we can purpose to be a faithful follower? It's because as soon as we finished singing that song, we flipped over to behind the index and we sang the great hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. We can be faithful because he is faithful. My favorite verse in all of the Bible is faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. When I feel weak, when I have failed, I can rise up again because I am in Jesus Christ and I know that he has called me and that he will do what he has purposed to do in my life. And I simply need to humbly walk with him, humbly follow him. Really humbly declare truly from my heart, as Joel and Anna sang, in thy word thou dost direct me by thy spirit through thy word. Do we walk in the spirit? Song we've been singing this this year so far, each week in Bible hour is one step at a time. Do we take one step at a time walking 
in the Spirit of God, trusting Him, obeying Him, being fully persuaded that He is good and that He has a purpose for each one of us. I think of Psalm 16, verses 7 through 8. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me there? Psalm 16. David, the psalmist, was a shepherd. He knew about taking care of sheep, but he also knew about how important it was to follow the good shepherd. And he didn't even have John chapter 10 to tell us about the good shepherd. But he understood, I believe, the truth of the good shepherd. In Psalm 16, in verses 7 and 8, David declares, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. David understood how important it was that God lead him and how important it was for God to give him counsel. And he understood it. And he blessed God for it. Brothers and sisters, let us know how important the counsel of God is. The direction and leading of him through his word by his spirit and let us bless him for it. Sometimes we struggle with the scriptures, sometimes because we don't understand it. In fact, when it speaks of the sowing, sower sowing the seed of scriptures, it speaks of it falling on some ground, and because it was not understood, it was taken away. We need to seek to understand the scriptures and then to obey the truth of the scriptures. Do we bless the Lord who has given me counsel? Do we recognize the Lord as our counselor, as our influencer? You probably have a group of people that you maybe identify as influencers in your life. I, I, I hope that they are godly. I hope that they speak to you words of truth in accordance with the word of God. Beware. Take your Bibles and turn back to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Here it is in chapter 16, David blessing the Lord for his wise counsels, rejoicing in God's teaching and instruction in his life. Look at the first psalm, which speaks of those who are blessed and how they are blessed. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. That won't bless you. That will bring a snare, a snare to your heart, a snare to your life, to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But it tells us the one who is blessed, he delights in the law of the Lord. 
And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Did you see over in Psalm 16, the psalmist declared that he blesses the Lord for his counsels and then speaks of the Lord teaching his reins in the night? You might say, that, I, what's that? Understanding. Do you understand what that's saying? Well, you know what your reins are? Your reins are your kidneys. You have two of them. Hopefully you have two of them. You have two kidneys. And at night, most predominantly at night, your kidneys are hard at work. You know what your kidneys do? They take your blood and they filter it. And all the things you've been eating and been exposed to and been breathing that gets into your bloodstream, whatever it is that gets into your bloodstream, it filters it. It filters, and it filters all the poison out of your blood. You know, the Lord does the same thing in our innermost person. Just like the kidneys filter the poisons and the toxins out of your blood to be passed on over to the bladder to then be passed on you know where, so God works even in the night seasons within who we are on the inside to filter things. Because God knows that all through the day we are being influenced. We're being influenced. We're being influenced by mom and dad. We're being influenced by brothers and sisters. We're being influenced by the books we read. We're being influenced by the things that we watch, by the things that we see. We're being influenced by our coworkers. We're being influenced by the radio. We're being influenced. We can't even walk down the street without seeing things that are influencing us. We are influenced by billboards, and we are influenced by news ads. We're influenced by the junk that comes in the mail and the good stuff that comes in the mail. We're influenced all the time, constantly, 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 constantly. And there's a lot of poison mixed in in all of that influence. And the Holy Spirit of God, if he's in us, he's like the kidney in us filtering that through. If we are allowing him and if we are abiding in his word, he will filter those poisons and he will help us to see and to identify the lies in our lives. This is really important, I think, for those of us who wake up at night when we're little children or when we're old people. When we wake up at night, what are those things that are there? Is God filtering in the night seasons? And those things that are waking us up in the night or that our mind reverts to when we wake up first thing in the morning or when we lay down or when we wake up in the night, whenever those times, do we see, is God teaching me something that needs filtered? We need to ask the question, what needs filtered here and what are the wise counsels of God? How can we be instructed by the Spirit of God in the night seasons? And in the night seasons, when there may be things that wake us up or trouble us, do we set the Lord at our right hand? You know what that means? That means that when we, when we wake up in the night or even in all of our days, we are recognizing that He's at our right hand. He's in the position of distinguished honor. That's what that means at the right hand. It also means he's right there. Do we walk and do we live recognizing he is our right-hand counselor? Everything that we deal with, everything that we have to face, is he the one who is at our right hand influencing us so that when lies come, we're not moved by them? Do you see that in Psalm 16? He's at my right hand so that I may not be moved. Lies influences all times long can very much impact us and change us. I love Psalm 73, verse 24, these past few weeks, meditating upon it. 
It is also a prayer to God. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. That verse is very special to me as I think of my God. He guides me with his counsel. What's implied here is all my life long. He is my good shepherd who will never leave me nor forsake me. He guides me day by day. And so shall I ever be with the Lord. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Afterward, as he guides me all through life, he will receive me to glory. And so I echo with the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 24, thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Let me give you the SJW version of this modern millennium. Thy testimonies are my delight and my influencers. Do we delight in the influencing the consuls of our God? I'll tell you, you know what makes influencers so effective these days? Especially those out there on YouTube. That's where you hear that term the most. They entertain us. They flatter us. Sometimes the consuls of God we do not follow because we do not delight in them. I'm not talking about some kind of a forced delight, but truly, do we recognize and see the glory of the wisdom of the Lord, and do we delight in his consuls? Do we glory in his consuls? They are true. They are true. They can lead us to life. We are blessed by them. So my brothers and sisters, let us seek God. Let's make him our number one influencer. And everyone else who is influencing us, let us bring it back to the word of God, seeking the truth according to his spirit, and know what God has said, and obey him. Now let me tell you, there's lots of influencing out there, isn't there? We're going to come and talk, and my goal is this afternoon, and if you can't be here this afternoon, I plead with you to, as a family, as couples, as even individuals, to get with another individual and to sit down and talk through and identify the influencers in your life. I'm not just talking about the YouTubers. I'm talking about those all who are influencing you, living and dead. Who is influencing you? I plead with you to identify them, to discuss the influence they have upon you, and whether it is good or bad, some influencers you need to cut off. Some influencers you need to cut off because it's bad influence. It's bad counsel. You need to really earnestly, sincerely seek the Holy Spirit's leading according to his word as to what counsels you not walk in or sit in or anything. There's some that need to be cut off and you need to identify them. You need to identify them. Psalm 1-1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Beware of the ungodly counsel. But at the same time, did you know that the scriptures declare to us that where there is no counsel, the people fall? But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. 
A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. So as you may also recognize that there are some counselors, some influencers you need to cut off, don't just cut off influencers, replace them first and foremost with the word of God, but also other wise, godly counselors who can influence you according to godliness and according to truth. Seek wise counsel. But let's talk a moment about things that influence us. I told you a moment ago that everywhere you go, everything that happens, you're influenced by different things. Um, I'm a book guy, some of you know that. So I have lots of books in my house, right? And you know, I get more books as the time goes by. And, and I brought a few today. Um, one of my children, I have signed up for what's called the uh, Imagination Library. You ever heard of that? The Imagination Library? It's where you sign it up, kids one to five get a free book every single month in the mail. And you know what? We have a rule in our house that when the free book comes, nobody reads it until mommy and daddy has read it. You have any idea why? Because these books are influencing. They are influencers. And mommy and daddy, we have a job to protect our children. And you know what? Some of those books end up in the trash can. Don't they, Naomi? Yep, they end up in the trash can. And some of them are really good, and we actually read them, and we read them over and over and over and over. And then some of them, we're not quite sure what to do with. You ever had that? Yeah, we've all had that, haven't we? On Friday, a book came in the mail. I'm working on this message, and on Friday, a book comes in the mail. And I'd already thought about this topic and discussing it, and a book comes in the mail. Right here, drop. It is an anthropomorphism of a drop of water. Some of you shaking your head. Some of you got this in the mail this week too, didn't you? Yeah. Um, you don't have to say it right now, but I'm curious to know what you did with it. Um, this came in the mail. When I say it's an anthropomorphism of a drop of water, you know what that means? Anthropology speaks of man. And so what they do is they basically treat in the story this drop of water as if it's a person. And this water, is a, it's an anthropomorphism. Some people don't like that. That's okay. Um, I think it's interesting to sometimes use it, especially fables. I think of in the Old Testament where fables were used to get people's attention. helps us to teach people using anthropomorphisms. So this one comes in, and you know what it is? It is an adventure through the water cycle. And you know what? This whole book is really good. Well, except for the first page. We got that up there? Can you see it there? It says, Drop lives here on planet Earth. She has been here 4,500,000,000 years. And then you see little Drop there? She says, I'm 4,500,000,000. Now do you understand maybe why? I struggle with this book. You see how such an innocent little children's book is influencing. This is a subtle hint for long, old earth theories, particularly theories of evolution. Just a little on the first page. So what do we do with this book? Actually, it was really kind of great because we look across the page and we see water with dinosaurs. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, people not being with dinosaurs. So what do we do with this book? Do we throw it away when one page has got a problem, but the rest of it is really 
incredibly creatively done of describing the water cycle. Some of you may choose to throw it away. More power to you, please do. Some of you may choose to do something I like to do to books. I like to edit them. And so my wife and I, we talked about it, and we edited it. And so we added a little sticker in this book at, right after the declaration of it being, you know, 4.5 billion years old, we wrote a little sticker that says the Bible, God's holy word tells us the true story of drop. The eternal living God created everything, including drop, on the first day of creation only 6,000 years ago. So I have edited it. Now, you notice I left in the, what was it, four and a half billion years. You know why? And again, parents may do this different ways. But I anticipate my children being exposed to this false teaching. And I'd like to talk about it with them first. I'd like to have the opportunity to expose them to that false teaching and to be able to discuss it because I know they will be exposed to it. And so I have chosen as a parent to leave it there and to counter it with authoritative truth. Different parents may do it different ways, and that's okay. This is how Evelyn and I have chosen to do it. But you know, you may have noticed there was still yet another problem in there because the anthropomorphic drop says, I'm four and a half billion. But we added a bit of humor. You want to know the truth? I'm only 6,000. It's very important for us to recognize that even the innocent, cute, mostly scientifically based children's books are influencing our children. And don't just pass them on. And I submit to you, don't always just throw them away. This is the way that you can engage your children with their world and teach them how they can begin to counter the lies in the world with truth from a very young age. This is just one idea, suggestion. Oh my, you start getting into children's books, they get interesting. I have another children's book. Long time ago, many years ago, when Evelyn and I had our first baby, we were given this book. And we read it, and it was oh so sweet. You are special, little one. And it goes through, and again, it's a little bit anthropomorphic, and each little, little baby animal asks its mommy and daddy, how am I special? Well, I'll, I'll, but, but here's the thing. We, we read it, and, and at the very end, it has a child asking his mommy and daddy, how am I special? And in all through it, everybody's special. All the foxes and the birdies and the seal and the penguins and the little boy, they're all special. And there was nothing wrong with it because they are. Penguins are special. So are foxes. But is it the same for human beings? So this is another one of those that was really, I loved the artwork. I loved the idea of encouraging and, and ascribing wealth or value to a child, but it just had no depth. It was so shallow. So I edited it again. So here, deep in a tree trunk by a wooded grove, a fox cub asks, how am I special? And mama and Papa Fox reply, and let me zoom in so you can see what we added. Mama and Papa Fox reply, dear little one, 
God made you with your red tail, your red bushy tail, and your clever, nimble ways. You are so special, and we will love you forever and ever and always. You see, there was nothing wrong with what it was teaching. Okay, it's, I don't know, you could argue the anthropomorphism of animals loving each other. That's another discussion. For, it's a little bit more philosophical. But um, um, it is here something added. The fox, God made you. You see the important need of that? And then to jump to the end of this book, in a grassy pasture by a gently flowing stream, a young child asks, how am I special? And Mama and Papa reply, dear little one, with your warm, caring heart and your bright, curious mind, you are so special created in the image of God, and we will love you forever and ever and always. And so we took a book that there was nothing wrong with, but you see, we've helped to teach truth by it. That is, God did create all of the animals, and all of the animals are special, but dear little one, human child, you are special, created in the image of God. I submit to you, look for ways not only to check how your children are being influenced, but be looking for every opportunity to influence them with truth. Influence them with truth. Go ahead and edit the book. I don't know what the author would think of me doing it. It's my book. I gave it to all of my nieces and nephews or each family, and we gave them the edited edition. Beautiful story, beautiful book. But you know, there's other ways. Your kids start growing up and they read other books. You ever heard of Louise May Alcott's Little Women? Do you know this is a book, this is an influencer? They call this a classic. You know why they call it a classic? The real reason is because it's so influential. For over 100 years, Louise May Alcott has influenced young girls the world over. And you know, some of it's actually not good. And some of it's actually really good. If you're interested in knowing the details of what I think, and what especially my wife thinks, about what's good in this book and what's not so good in this book, we'd be happy to talk about it. We don't have time this morning. But they influence. So do all of the novels and all of the books that come into your home. They influence you. She influences, particularly, actually, you might be shocked by this, but a few weeks ago when we were teaching on Wednesday night, the boys, <laughs> the boys, we talked about something that Louise May Alcott has Marmy teaching their children. That's actually not the best about how to handle anger. She treats anger as something that you bottle up, really, pretty much the way that she teaches it. Well, we know that's not how you handle anger. You take anger and you deliver it up. You give it up. You give it over to God. And then you move forward in kindness and love. Lots of good that is taught in that book. I hate to only point out the negative, but there's lots of good that teaching that Marmy gives in that book. But how many other things are in your books? You have to be careful because there's some books that have so much bad, you just got to throw them away. Don't care how valuable they are. Just get rid of them. You've got to be careful what's influencing you. You know other things that influence you? Did you know that your hymnal influences you? That's the reason why I asked us to think about what we were singing. 
I love the songs that we sang today. Providentially planned to be for this Sunday. <laughs> Sermon thought, planned and moving towards this way. Even got delayed a whole week. I was planning on doing it last week, and then it gets bumped to this week, and now it's because all the, I think one of the, re, there's lots of reasons, but one of them is that God knew the songs this week went better with the sermon than last week's songs. Hymns influence us. That's why we have to be careful what we listen to and what we are singing because hymns influence us. You know what? Bible commentaries influence us. We have to be careful, really careful with this because there's a mixture. Sometimes there's good. Sometimes there's bad. There are certain commentaries I wouldn't recommend to a new believer. I wouldn't recommend to one who is new in the faith. Um, but at the same time, there's other aspects in which they have value. This particular author is exceptional in dealing with the historical events around what was taking place, extra-biblical time period, and he helps you to understand those things. But when it comes to some theological and doctrinal issues, not so great. Yes, sometimes true, but it's a mix, and it's a hard mix. And it recur and means those who have developed and grown in their faith, lest they be influenced in falsehood. You know, there are so many Bibles out there. Oh, my. So many study Bibles. So many. I just found, I saw one here recently that's just brand new, brand new. It's like four or five all brand new. There's like brand new ones every single year. You know, those are influencing you. Be careful with study Bibles. I think study Bibles are very valuable for new Christians, but be careful which one. And be discerning. Be very discerning. Even the study Bible that I use is a later edition, but the first edition of this taught what we know as the gap theory. That's a problem. I'm very thankful that wise men came alongside that author, helped to restore him, and then eventually when he was actually gone, it did come and be re revised, and that's a good thing. Be careful what influences you. Look for what influences you. You know what? There's lots of political stuff out there that influences you. And you get conservative, and you get liberal, and you get false, and you get true, and you get sensationalized, and you get this or that or that or this. I hate to even recommend this or that, lest, it, lest I recommend or not recommend it or whatever. But all of it, it's influencing you. Are you being influenced for truth? Are you screening it through according to the word of God? Are you being careful? Very, very careful. I have a book up here that um, is very good in dealing with politics and dealing with governments and all of these kinds of things. But it's a hard book to deal with because he writes, Christians has lost sight of the stone cut without hands that became the mountain that filled the earth in Daniel chapter 2. For some reason, we can't believe that Jesus through his redeemed people is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Now, we know that that great rock cut without stay hands is Jesus himself setting up his millennial kingdom, his kingdom here on earth. Here, this author is speaking of that rock as being his people in this era, in this age. And he goes on. We have convinced ourselves that defeat is the only option for the church. The only hope is retreat in the face of creeping secularism. Maybe if things get real bad, God will rapture us out of this mess. You see, what he's doing is he doesn't believe in the rapture. He doesn't believe in a future millennial kingdom. And so even though the book is filled with wonderful, brilliant, good principles of government, his framework, and it permeates in little small ways throughout his writings, that 
There is no future kingdom, glorious kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's a kingdom now philosophy and undermines and even mocks the idea of there being a rapture, the catching up of the saints. And, and also, there's a misrepresentation of it. We have to be careful with what we read. We have to be very careful. You know one of the big areas of influence that's hard? Is famous people. Famous people have come before us, and we look to them as heroes. I even have a book that calls Giants of the Faith. Heroes of the Faith. And you read those books, and it's indeed, you find these are heroes. And then you keep reading, and you read other books, and you're like, hmm, they have some big problems. We have to be careful of that for two reasons. One, that we don't overlook the problems and heroize everybody, because there's only one hero, and he's Jesus Christ, and he's the only one who is sinless. But we have to be careful of that. I think of one particular famous person, um, Amy Carmichael. Elizabeth Elliot wrote a biography on her. And we have to be careful with biographies because sometimes a biography will recount some of these weaknesses in people and they'll glamorize them or try to rationalize them or overlook them. Sometimes they'll just present them as stated fact and sometimes they'll just ignore them. I actually appreciate Elizabeth Elliot and her biography of Amy Carmichael, A Chance to Die, because Amy Carmichael, as you may know, was one who never married. But part of the reason why she never married is because she actually had a false doctrine. And in fact, she actually had problems with marriage and thought people shouldn't marry. And in fact, actually, Elizabeth Elliot identifies a situation in the book in which she was known for, says, she writes, and Elizabeth Elliot critiquing this, says there were some strange separations. Not only did Amy Carmichael condone the separation of husband and wife, she was at least partly responsible for arranging it when she felt that the work, the missionary work, required it. And so, very troublesome. And I appreciate in this particular biography that Elizabeth Elliot deals with and addresses that. But so, please, this is a good biography. Amy Mark Carmichael is a wonderful lady to admire. We in family Bible time just a few years ago, we studied her life. But you're going to find things in different people's lives that are not all that they should be, and authors may not present them as they should present them. Be aware of the influence. Be aware of the influence. It is so important for you to consider the influence that comes into your home. Now, I've gone through a whole bunch of books and all of this stuff, and some of you I know out there might be like my grandma Wesco. Do you know how many books she had in her house when she died? I think five. And three of them were Bibles. And the others were encyclopedia sets. You know, some people don't really care for books. So are they getting influenced? Oh, you better believe it. Let me tell you how you get influenced nowadays. Oh, you see these things? I don't even know what some of these things are. Here's the deal. I'm bringing it up and I'm citing it because I'm pleading with you to wake up, to be alert, to recognize that it's not just in these books. It's not just what comes in the mail. You are being inundated all the time and participated by influence. You are being influenced. And I plead with you to be wise about the influence that is coming your way, to consider it and to filter it and to be very careful.
There was a day when the influence could be very controlled in families' homes. You could control the books that came into the house, and you could have some control over whom your children associated with. Not anymore. No matter how you try, it's hard. It's hard. There's certain aspects in which you can, but not entirely. And recognize that fact. Recognize that fact. Teach your children how to filter the influence. There's the key. Teach them how to filter the influence. That's one reason why I actually sometimes, uh, how can I say this without being misunderstood? I do, please don't misunderstand me. Sometimes when a book doesn't have something just right, like a children's book, it's sometimes a good thing because it gives an opportunity for us to have a conversation about it. As long as we're engaged, mom and dads, we've got to be engaged. We have the responsibility to be engaged with our children. If we're just taking the books that come in the mail and passing them off to our kids, well, that's a problem. Or if we get them in the mail and we flip to them and go, okay, this is pretty much okay, and pass it off to our kids. Or we even edit them and pass them off to our kids. No, we have to be engaged with our children. We have to be teaching them truth when they rise up, when they walk in the way, when they're seated and when they lie down. Always be engaging with them in the truth and helping them to filter all that influences them according to the word of God so that whenever, whether they do it in rebellion or by accident or it's just released, these things and whatever else gets added to this, you add it, they know and have the spiritual discernment to filter the wisdom. So I ask you today, who is influencing you? Is it good influence or is it bad influence? And who are you influencing? And is it good or bad? Is it indifferent? Is it silent? We as moms and dads need to desperately engage our children to influence them for the truth. This morning in Bible Hour, we considered just for a moment the history of Georgie Venz, and some of you know Georgie Venz, a Baptist pastor in Soviet Russia, who was arrested, thrown into prison, removed from his family. Are you preparing and teaching your children that if you, by death, by a political system that falls apart, by a society that falls apart, and you are removed from your family, are you preparing them so that they, as children of the storm, will stand strong? The book on the right is Georgie Venn telling his story of in prison. The book on the right is his daughter, Natasha Venn's telling her story as one of the children of the storm. We talked a little bit about it this morning, there were those who tried to influence her. Some by mocking, some by ridiculing. They had little effect. It was those who showed her friendship and kindness and then began to show so in her heart doubt that were the greatest trouble. And she bears testimony and witness that what was able to deliver her from the kind and friendly and effective influencers for atheism were the truths that her father had taught her before he was arrested. If you're arrested today, will your children bear witness and testimony 
of the truth you have taught them. The truth will preserve them in the storm. Teach your children to, as we learned over in Psalm 16, to bless the Lord who has given me counsel and who will give you all counsel. My reigns also instruct me in the night seasons. God will do the same for all of you. No matter what poisons, what lies come, set the Lord always before you because he is at my right hand. Is he at your right hand and do your children see it so that you shall not be moved? No matter what the winds of false doctrine may be, no matter what the winds of the popularist theories are, whatever the winds of the influencers are, will you be moved? I admonish you, brothers and sisters, today to set your feet on the sure foundation of the Word of God, to establish your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and to teach them not just to obey, but to follow in the truth and learn themselves to follow the Good Shepherd. That they themselves will declare, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. Let us bless the Lord and let us teach our children to do the same. Let us consider the influencers in our lives and let us cut off and let us not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Gracious God, Lord Jesus, dear Spirit of God, try our hearts and reins. Purge us of lies and deceits. We are so easily deceived. And so we pray that you, dear Spirit of God, through your word would teach us, would direct us, would guide us in all truth. Oh, God, help each mother and father here today and grandparents too to be used of you, to be channels of your love, but also to be those who teach younger men and women and boys and girls how and what it means to hold your hand, to have you at our right hand, to follow you, to trust you, to know you, to filter all the truth and the lies in our world through your word and your spirit. We need your help. We can't do it on our own. We need your help, and so we plead with you, dear God, that you help us this day. Glorify us. Glorify yourself through us as you receive us in glory, and we are glorified. Sanctify us and set us apart as we look to that wonderful day of glorification when you will receive us in glory, and may we follow in your wise counsels and guidance till that day. We need you. Lord, I pray that you would deliver each of us and our children from the lies of this world, that we might hope in you. We need you. We need you. We need you. And we thank you that you have promised to be our help. We thank you that you have said that you will be our strong tower. You have said that you will be a fortress to whom we can run in time of trouble. We thank you that you have said that you will try our hearts and reins. We thank you that when we ask the question 
of our hearts that are so desperately wicked and easily led astray, and we ask, who can know it that you try the hearts and you search, you search the hearts and you try the reins, and you're the one who will show us in ways that we are wrong, in ways that our hearts are deceitful or desperately wicked, and that you will show us the truth. May we be eager to delight in your ways and teach them to our children and our children's children till you come. And whatever may happen in this world, Lord Jesus, we look for your return. We look for the day of the glory, your glorious appearing when we will be caught up together with you in the clouds. And we do look forward to that day when you will establish your kingdom and we, as your saints, will rule and reign with you as your kingdom will be that rock. May we keep our eyes fixed on that in the midst of the lies and the deceptions. May we keep our eyes fixed on your glorious kingdom. May your kingdom come. Your will be done. We look for the blessed hope of your appearing, and we commit ourselves to you in the meantime as we pray in your precious name. Amen.